Bible? Okay. It's the cold weather this morning. Everybody's chattering like magpies. What's going on here? You'd think it was 30 below or something. My goodness. I'll tell you, us Floridians, you know, anything under 70 and we're pulling blankets. And boots. We're putting on boots. My word. Okay. That's okay, though. No problem. Just stay healthy and not happy. I want you to be here. All right. Love and appreciate each and every one of you. We're glad you're here. We're so happy you're here. And, uh, we want to continue. I don't even know how many lessons we're into. You know, they're all hot off the burner. They're right out of heaven's bakery. There's nothing here that's, uh, you know, I don't go online and get these things, okay? All right? I'm going to have Brandon put them online and let them come get ours. I think that's the way that ought to work. Told one young lady this morning, I said, remember, you're the boss, you're the leader, you're in control. Don't be one of those little namby-pamby followers you know, that uh, get misled all the time, going in wrong directions. Want to have some steel in you, some good word of God. Uh, right here? Yes. And I believe pink. All right, pink. Gotcha. All right. There you go. Right behind you, Madam. There you go. All right. Okay, I guess we're locked and loaded here and ready to go, right? Okay, so we're going to try to get our hearts near Jesus. This is a good thing to do, a very good thing to do, because you get your heart near him, then he's going to come close to you, and you definitely want that. It has been said, and I would say that the Bible teaches it or illustrates it, that if you do your part, he will do more than his part. In other words, if you put one step, he will put two or more. The Lord has the way of doing that. So John 14 and 15, Jesus said in this verse, he said, if you love me, he said, keep my commandments. does not look like a difficult or complicated verse here. Rather plain, straightforward, right on point. If you love me, keep my commands. That means you will observe them. It means you will not break them. You won't violate them. You won't transgress them. Matthew 15 and 3. He, Jesus, answered and said unto them, Why do ye, or you, that means, why do ye, actually it's a good southern term, means why do all, <laughs> why do all of you transgress the commandment of God? Why do you do that? He's asking that question. Now, he's asking that question in this particular chapter, 15, because they had a particular traditional hang-up. And uh, we have often said, if you have a personal conviction that does not contradict the Scriptures, per se, and it is something that could be good, we're certainly not against that. Okay? But if you have a personal tradition or belief or hang-up that does contradict the Scripture or that you give it a higher priority over the Scripture then, or you teach it and preach it as a doctrine, then you're out of line. You're wrong. So it, a very simple, very simple example. Now, you need to sit up straight. You need to pay attention or you're going to go out of here saying something that I didn't say. Okay? But a very simple example is that many times there are people who will not drink coffee. And the reason that they don't drink coffee is because they become addicted to it. And it hinders them in their walk for God. My pastor was one. He drank the kind of coffee that uh, you could float a horseshoe in it. It was that strong. <coughs> yeah. It was the real thing. And uh, that was what he was raised on. And um, he was five years old when he was baptized. Mother took him down with the rest of the other seven children on the wagon with the shotgun to the place where they were, the preacher was baptizing. And uh, he was baptized along with everybody else. They got back in the wagon with the shotgun and they went home. So, but the problem was that and 11 years went by. He did not receive the Holy Ghost. He did not live for God. He had only been baptized. He was baptized correctly in water in the name of Jesus Christ.
out he was not, um, he just didn't live for God. And so when he was 16, though, he went to a service, and the Lord filled him with the gift of the Holy Ghost. Called him to preach, gave him a vision, gave him exactly what to do, and called him to preach, and he went and set about to do that. He uh, was then rebaptized because he said he did 11 years of sinning from the time he was five and was baptized to the time he was 16 and got the Holy Ghost. So he said, well, something was wrong that I didn't get the Holy Ghost sooner, so he said I needed to go ahead and get rebaptized in the name of Jesus Christ again to get full pardon of all those sins I'd been doing between five years old and 16 years old. So he went home and uh, on the farm, they, most people were farmers in those days in that part of the world, and he uh, went home and he began to, that was 1931, he began to pray and talk to God, and on that particular morning that he got up, he went out and he had prayer and he said, God, he said, you know, it's always been since I've been very little that I've drank coffee and I would always get a really bad headache, a migraine, we would call them, headache, around somewhere around 10, 30, 11 o'clock in the morning. And if he didn't have his shot of that horseshoe floating coffee, then he would get a tremendous headache. So he didn't want anything to interfere with his walk with God or his fasting, so he prayed and asked God, if this is real, he said, well, I'm fixing to put it to the test. So the time came, and the time went in, the, in that morning, and he did not get a headache. So he said, thank you, Jesus, and he kept on trucking and never drank coffee again. Now, does that mean that you should do that? No, it does not. That's not my point. My point is, is that some people, though, will get a tradition or a belief that is not scriptural, and that's where the problem is at. And they will preach it or teach it or witness it as a doctrine, which is completely wrong. If you, like him, get a personal conviction because it's for your betterment spiritually and it does not violate Scripture, then we're okay, and you don't preach it or teach it as a doctrine. But these folks that Jesus was dealing with, they were accusing Jesus and his disciples of transgressing or violating the teachings of the Scripture. And Jesus began to deal with them because they were just about tradition. They weren't about chapter and verse. They were about tradition. They were about personal beliefs. And he said to them, why do you transgress the commandment of God? And then he told them here in this same chapter, verse 8, Matthew 15 and 8, he said that people draw near or unto me with their mouth, but he said their, and they honor me with their lips, but he said their heart is far from me. So we're talking to you about getting your heart near to him, that you can begin to be working, going towards the right direction, that you wouldn't back up from where your heart is at in relation to God, but that you would move closer to that. When you back up from things that you're taught in the Scripture, then that's what the Old Testament termed backsliding or sliding back. We don't want to back up from the things that we have been taught. Even if it's the most rudimentary, fundamental, ABC things, we don't want to back up from that. We want to go forward. And that's what the writer um, brought out in Hebrews chapter 6 when he brought out, and we dealt with that, we gave you a lesson on that, the first principles of the doctrine of Christ. But then he said, having those things, he said, then let us go on. Well, the only way you're going to go on is to first get those principles, those ABCs, and then you must take them with you. You must carry the foundation with you. And so if you, though, back up from those ABCs, if you back up from those things that you've been taught, then your heart is going away from God. You have the ability here to, to have your heart go closer to Him. You have that because it's his will. It's what he wants. And he's not willing that any should perish, but that all should come. All should come. So you come to repentance. You come to water baptism in Jesus' name. You come to receiving the gift of the Holy Ghost. And you continue to come close as you get an inward 
effect in your heart. You get an inward effect here that brings an outward effect. And so, you know, it's what God does in our hearts is invisible. Okay? But believing or faith is the evidence of things that are invisible or the evidence of things not seen. So when you get an inward, invisible effect of God in your heart, and God can only do good, then you're going to manifest or show clearly an outward evidence that God has truly done something in your heart. Simple example. Him that stole, he steals no more. Him that does dope, he does no more. And you could just go on and on and on. The bitter is not bitter anymore. The gossip no longer gossips. You heard me on that one, right? Okay. And, and the person that hates and quarrels and fights and brawls, they don't do that anymore, okay? There's been this good change, this good effect in their heart. And you want your heart to continue not only to manifest the evidence of that great work of God in your heart, but you want to go closer to God. What did it talk about dwelling in the light that no man approacheth unto? You want to get closer. You want to, that's why we say when you get Come to receive the baptism of the Holy Ghost, whether in your pew or right up here. I could point people out that have received it in the pew, in the baptism. I can't point that one. She's gone and to heaven. And then we've got those that have come to the altar. Um, so when they, that uh, experience took place in their lives, then it was a, had a good effect. But it's not enough for you to say, I got the Holy Ghost. And we want you to stay and continue to get more of the Holy Ghost. It's Think of it as a container and that he's continuing to fill it and fill it. David said, my cup is full and it's running over. You know, that running over part is necessary because if you take any kind of soiled vessel and you put a hose in there or you turn the faucet on and you let it continually run, it's going to fill it, but then it's going to fill it over or overflow. And what it's going to do, it's going to flush out. All the stuff down in the bottom is going to get that to come to the top and get out. And that's what you want God to do in your heart. So you can receive the baptism of the Holy Ghost. And, of course, you must if you're planning to go to heaven. You must be born again of the Spirit or you cannot see or enter the kingdom of God. And we're on that subject matter at the moment. So when you come to receive the gift of the Holy Ghost and God fills you with the Holy Ghost, just remember, it does not end or stop there. That is the beginning of your salvation, if you please. You want to remember that you've got to get this experience working in your heart on a daily basis. That's why Titus 3 and 5 said you're uh, saved by the renewing of the Holy Ghost. You're continually saved out of things that come against you every day. You're continually saved from a heart that would go backwards from God, and that renewing helps to propel you forward or closer. That's why we press toward the mark for the prize of the high economy. It catapults us. It propels us. It gives us hopefully a perpetual going forward, not just once in a while. We don't want to go one step forward and three steps back. We want to continually go forward here. That's why we repent and overcome every day. It's not a one-shot experience. People who come and get a little touch from God, you better remember something. It's not enough for you to have the Holy Ghost. You've got to bear the fruit of the Spirit. That's your check and balance. If it's all this, none of this, then you're going to not last. You're not going to stay. You're not going to manifest the evidence that God is in you of a truth. Because if He's in there and you're working with Him, then you're going to show the fruit of the Spirit, okay? The love and the joy and the peace. And everybody said, praise the Lord. Everybody, Sister Tanya, could you move over just a little bit? Let this young lady in. Okay. So, Jesus is dealing with people here, people that are tripped up by their own tradition. And they're teaching this tradition as gospel, as doctrine. And so he asks them, why do you transgress? Why do you do this? And then he tells them, there are lots of people, in other words, as the, as the prophet was 
inspired to say that they draw near to me with their mouth and with their lips but their heart the seat of their thoughts their intellect and their emotions is far from me way far away now here's an example Jesus said or commanded hear O Israel the scripture said which means church the, the, the Lord thy God is one everybody said one everybody said one God that's all your Bible teaches is one God. But they say, they say Trinity. They say God is three. Okay? And you'll notice that when he said, when Jesus said, thy God is one, that that's in the Bible. But when they say Trinity, that's not in the Bible. Neither are all the terms that they use to explain or attempt to explain their doctrine, okay? I've had people tell me, oh, I believe one God, and the minute you tell them, well, then you don't believe in the Trinity, oh, they get, oh, you know. And it makes no sense, of course, because Trinity comes with the word tri in it, like tricycle, which means three, you know. So we have a root here of one versus three. Now, God is one. I shouldn't have to give you another scripture that should suffice. Though the scripture teaches me to give you two or three in subject matter, and we've done that in lesson previous. So I'm not going to stop there today, but it would be very easy, and any one of our people could give you many scriptures, many scriptures. We just had a, uh, I don't know, 11-year-old, 10-year-old boy stand up here, and he must have quoted about 10 or 12 of them that he learned in Sunday school and, it's, and, at, and at school, at the academy. But they say a trinity. They say God is three. This is a simple example of God says, they say. Okay? So Matthew 15 and 9 tells you, but in vain. Now the word vain means, in one word of it, means worthless. Another definition would be useless, of no value, obsolete. But in vain, they, they, the ones that are transgressing the commandment of God, they, they do worship me, Jesus said, teaching for doctrines the commandments of men. So we have the commandments of God versus the commandments of men. That's what we got here. Jesus said or commanded baptizing them in the name. That's singular. That's one. In the name. But they say, they say, title, Father, Son, so when the Bible gives us the picture, when the Bible teaches us, it teaches us to baptize them in the name of the Father, of the Son, and of the Holy Ghost. Okay? The name, the singular name, because he is the Father in creation. He is the Son in, rede in redeeming you from your sin. And he is the Holy Ghost in a believer's heart in this time period in which we live, known as the time of grace, the church time, the church age, okay? Everybody said, praise the Lord. So Jesus says one thing, and they say another. But Jesus said in Mark chapter 7, which is a sister chapter in this book to Matthew 15, Mark 7 and 7, how be it, he said, in vain, in a worthless manner, useless manner, do they worship me, teaching for doctrines the commandments of men. Okay? It's worthless. It's useless. You want to just make it up as you go along? You want to go join some group that is a denomination that somebody woke up one day and decided to start a religion and begin to do so? And he's telling you that these are the commandments of men. You want to go back to your Bible, as we do right here, and you want to pick up on the things we've taught you, what it means to be apostolic, what it means to be Pentecostal, if you didn't get these lessons, we'll give you a binder with the previous lessons in them. And you will be taught what it means to be apostolic, to have the doctrine that Jesus gave to the apostles and they gave it to everybody else right on down to this split second. We continue steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine and they got it from Jesus. It's Jesus' doctrine given to the apostles, given to everybody else. The church is built. That's not the church house. Church is built on concrete here. But the body of Christ's church 
That's not a building. That's people is built upon Him. He is the rock. It's built upon the foundation of the apostles and the prophets with Jesus Christ Himself being the chief cornerstone. Hence, apostolic. Okay? So, how be it, though, when people go about to worship Him, teaching for doctrines the commandments of men, then there it's worthless and it's useless and it's of absolutely no value. What should my attitude be? My attitude should be, if I read it in the Bible and I'm being taught it in subject matter from the Scripture, then I should, I should believe it. I shouldn't fight that. That shouldn't make me mad. I should just say, thank you for the light. I've been walking in just a limited amount of light here, or I've really been in shadows and darkness, and now the Lord is allowing me to have the light, have the truth. The light of His countenance is showing me which way to go here. And it's backed up by Scripture. I'm not just walking out saying, God told me. Lots of people do that as just an excuse to do whatever they want to do. Okay? Dragging Jesus into it, he's trying to get away from it. <laughs> he's not wanting to be any part of somebody's private interpretations and private doctrines and private teachings. Not at all. He wants you to have the truth. Jesus isn't following. Jesus is leading. And we want to, didn't Paul say, follow me? As I follow Christ? Well, Paul had to get an experience that enabled him to start following Christ because he was in tradition. He was in doctrine that was of men. But that light came one day and put him on his face, and he said, Who are you, Lord? The Lord said, I'm Jesus. And he said, Uh-oh, I've been fighting against him. Wow, I've been thinking it wrong. I've been saying this isn't right. And now he's telling me that this is right. And so he said, Well, what will you have me to do? Well, I'm going to tell you exactly where to go, and, and everything's going to be taken care of. It's going to come chapter and verse. It's going to come fulfilling all the scriptures. And what did Jesus say? Search the scriptures, for they are they that testify of me. Somebody want to get preacher religion, and they claim Moses. He said, well, he said, if you believe Moses, he said, then you believe me because he told you about me. You know, he introduced me. And then John the baptizer. He made the path straight for me. But you wouldn't be baptized. The baptism, he said, of John, was it of heaven or was it of men? And they didn't want to answer. Can't answer that one. Any way I answered, I'm going to be in trouble. Okay. <laughs> so, in other words, well, if you say it's of heaven, then they're going to, he's going to say, well, then why didn't you get baptized? Okay. So, we ask the question, is the Bible right? Are his commandments right? And if they are, then... Why aren't you baptized in water in the name of Jesus Christ? And why don't you believe in one God? Because that's what he teaches. And everybody said, praise the Lord. And everybody said, hallelujah. So Mark 7 and 7 made it crystal clear. It's a worthless and useless thing to do to try to worship him according to the doctrines of men. Mark 7 and 8, the very next verse, said, Jesus told them this. He said, for laying aside... The commandments of God, you hold the tradition of men. Now, we like that word hold. Let me hold your car, man. Let me hold your cell phone. Let me hold this. Let me hold that. Okay. Well, these folks were holding somebody's tradition, somebody's commandment of men, a natural commandment, a natural way of thinking. But I believe that you understand that the word of God has come supernatural. The Word of God has been delivered to us from Jesus Christ Himself. We have that. It is not natural. It is supernatural. Okay? It is not ordinary. It's extraordinary. You want to believe this Word of God. You don't want to lay it aside. Okay? Here it is, and then just set it aside. It's going to go on my way. All right? We don't want to do that. For laying aside the commandments of God, behold the tradition of men and many other such like things you do. Kind of reminds me of that scripture teaching to the church when it named a whole bunch of different works of the flesh. And you know, we always have people, especially when they get to be second, third, and fourth, and fifth, and sixth generation, and they, and they, they question everything. You know, what's wrong with this? And what's wrong with that? And what's wrong with the other? And, and you know, it's, it's laid out a whole, you know, the Bible is not always going to say it just like you want it. It does not say, thou shalt not smoke cigarettes. 
It doesn't say it like that. But what it does say, enlisting a whole bunch of works of the flesh, you know, adultery and fornication, drunkenness, and so on and so forth, it comes to that part and it says, and such like. So you've got to learn the spirit of things. You've got to learn what's a kindred spirit to sin, what's a kindred spirit to flesh, what's double first cousin. Twice removed, maybe. You know, we go to the to the root of the problem, but that root does grow up into a tree, and it does sprout branches, and then branches off the branches, and so some things get so far out there that some people, what's wrong with that? Not realizing that it's all connected right back to that same old nasty root of sin and unbelief. Okay. Everybody said, praise the Lord. Got quiet on that one, didn't you? All right. For laying aside the commandment. We're not going to lay it aside. And we're not going to lay it aside for anything, much less the tradition of men. And many other such like things he said you do. So we're warned here. It comes down to whose word you are going to believe and obey. Jesus or men. Jesus' word or men's word? The commandment of the Spirit or the commandment of men? Going to do it God's way or I'm going to do it that fleshly way? God is a spirit. I'm going to do it the spiritual way or I'm going to do it that fleshly way? Okay? And let me tell you, there are sins that are very obvious. Okay, you know, like I said, adultery, fornication, stealing, drunkenness, those kind of things. You know, guy's out of his mind on some kind of drug, you know, or whatever, you know, those, those are obvious things. But let me tell you, there are things that are just as deadly and just as rotten and just as nasty and will put you in hell that are not so obvious. People can be very slick with how they cover up gossip in a bunch of words. How that they talk about somebody when they're acting like they're not. Dropping little seeds of something that God said he hates, a sower of discord, trying to cause trouble here, trying to uh, make trouble, shall we say, the most commonplace for the pastor, trying to make trouble for leadership, trying to make division, trying to sow seeds that are uh, discord. And God said, I hate that. Ooh, for God to come on record about something that he hates, man, that might make us sit up and, Take notice a little bit not to get involved with that. What you say? I think we'll stay away from that. So remember, it comes down to whose word you're going to believe and obey. Is it going to be Jesus' word or is it going to be man's word? Isaiah, page 2. Isaiah 15 and 22. To obey, I did not. I have to tell you, I have a typo here. This is not Isaiah. That's my bad. That's 1 Samuel. My bad. That, I take responsibility for that. Don't blame my typist because I live with him. Okay. So if you want to make a little note, you could just cross off I-A-H. Keep, keep 1-S-A, 1 Samuel. Okay. Really, the problem is I write like a doctor. You know how they chicken scratch, right? So Dr. Feld has done it again. Okay. I had an aunt that was a nurse in a very large hospital and had a long career as a nurse, even on the ships in the South Pacific during the war. So when I wanted to get a hold of her at that big hospital in New York, I'd just call and I'd tell them, this is Dr. Feld calling for so-and-so, and I'd get her just like that. Okay, I didn't tell them I was a doctor of theology, though. I think they were assumed I was a doctor of medicine. But anyway, to obey, 1 Samuel 15 and 22, to obey is better than sacrifice. Meaning, sacrifice meaning in this instance a worthless worship. Not going to do any good. Okay? There are people that set themselves on fire. There are people that will hang themselves on a, a wooden cross, a tree. There are people that will have belly religion, do all kinds of things. Okay? Uh, but it's worthless. It's a worthless form of worship. There are people that are caught up in many different kinds of religion. And, of course, 
the reason that they go to that is maybe that's all they knew as a child and they never got to a place where they begin to check out things for themselves. Or maybe, maybe they um, were uh, led astray by man's religion in some form or fashion that once again they didn't get into the Bible and read it. They got into the blue book, the purple book, the red book, the green book, and then whatever other colors of the rainbow they got going on there. And as I asked, I have talked to many, and I've asked them, when does it believe, what, when does it mean, and we believe it, just like it says it? When do we just hone in on that? I don't need your books of commentary. I need to read this and understand this. I need to obey this. What do I need your words for when I got his words? You know, I need, I need his spirit. And that's going to all begin, my, his spirit to open my understanding. That's how he's going to begin. He's going to work. He's going to draw you by his spirit because he's not willing for you to perish. He wants you to come to him. And he's going to draw you by his spirit, by his word. And, and it's going to open your understanding to that word. And that when you see it, you need to act on it. You need to obey it. You need to say, there it is, and that's what it says, and that's what it means. Okay? Okay. So remember, to obey God's word, to obey God's commandment is better than sacrifice. Meaning, to obey what he says is better than to obey what they say. Okay? Okay. People think that they can bargain with God by okay, I'm not obeying that, but I'm doing this. Look how much of this I'm doing. I'm, I'm, I'm giving money to the guy in the middle of the street corner, or uh, I'm, I'm helping the wounded, or I'm, you know, and I'm not saying that some humanitarian things aren't good, but that's not the point. The point is God has a plan of salvation. God has his word. So if you want to help the sick, just get saved before you do it because that's the priority. Don't full well reject or cast off the word of God and try to substitute something else for it and call it okay. That's what the guy came to the altar and there was a fellow there kneeling down and he, wouldn't, he, was, he was so grief-stricken with his sinful life that he, and so humble before God that he wouldn't even lift up his eyes to heaven. And, and he, he just smote his, himself, and he just said, God, be merciful to me. I am a sinner. Okay? I know a lot of Holy Ghost people that should pray that prayer. Okay? You know, you can just get a little too lifted up. You might want to keep that humble attitude and repent and overcome every day. And if you don't know what you did wrong, just ask him. He'll tell you. Okay? But you just be smart enough to say, I know I didn't make it through the day without something going on. Maybe my spirit got off. Maybe I raised my voice in the wrong way. Maybe I had a bad temper. I displayed a bad temper. You know, There are things that are not so obvious, but they're there. You know, Maybe I've got bitterness in my heart. The Bible talked about that root of bitterness. You want to get God to reach down in there, and he's going to use me to do it, <laughs> and rip that bitterness out of there by the roots. All right? Okay. I never told you about that. Had the two young boys, brothers, and they were put on the gloves, and they were going around. Well, the younger brother was a little taller, a little longer arm reach, and he popped his brother in the face. And boy, his brother being older, you know, the older brother for a while there, he's going to have it over you. And he was not happy with that. And brother, he reared back, and he was fixing to send that haymaker. And all of a sudden, his arm wouldn't go anywhere. And he looked back. And his mother was holding him right by the elbow, <laughs> the inside of his elbow. And he looked, she looked at him and she said, ah, 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 vengeance is mine, saith the Lord. I will repay. And he said, yeah. He said, God's going to use me to do it. <laughs> Woo! All right. Well, they're still brothers and everything's okay as far as I understand. Mark 7 and 8, 7 and 9. Jesus said, full well. Now this imp implies you've been told full well you reject the commandments of God. You did this with knowledge that I'm just closing my eyes to it, closing my ears to it. I'm not going to do this. I'm going to sidestep it. I'm going to set it aside. Full well, he said, you reject 
the commandments of God, that ye may keep your own tradition. I want what I want. I want what I want. You know, that's what it just boils down to that juvenile and that childish way of acting. So, full well you reject the commandments of God, that ye may keep your own tradition or beliefs and ways. Obeying his word produces true salvation. Salvation worship, actually. For he seeks those who will worship him in spirit and in truth. And that's John 4, 23. And you know, you'd really like that other verse where Jesus told an individual who was just going after it about what all they knew and what all this and what all that. And he said, you know not what you worship. You get that? Oh, I got that, Lord. Yeah, I got that. <laughs> he just set her straight. Don't be telling me like that guy that came up there and there's the guy who won't even lift his eyes. And the other guy steps up and he says, well, uh, thank you, God, that I'm not like you. I, I fast twice in the week. That was one week out of the year. I fast twice in the week. You know, probably a Hebrew fast too, from daylight to dark. About eight hours. And there's power in that. I'm not knocking it, but you know, he was acting like he was really doing great things. And 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 I give tithes of all that. Well, I hope you do. Jesus said that. He said you ought to do that. He said, but don't leave the other things undone either. In, in obeying something, don't omit something else. We want balance here. So, you know, we've got to, uh, we want this, what Jesus said, that the Spirit is looking for people that would worship him in spirit and in truth. He called them true worshipers. True worshipers. That means there's a lot of false worshipers out there. There's a lot of people that just go on doing their own thing. And as he said in one place, he said, they 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 think for their, their uh look and their sad face and, and their outward displays of, of prayer. He said they think that they're getting somewhere, but they're not. You know, Jesus made it plain that, that repetitious prayers go nowhere. You know, Somebody teaches you some little prayer and you sign it and, and that calls that saved. And then from then on you're, you're reading little prescriptive things the rest of your life. That's not praying. You could take the smallest three and four and five-year-old child and they could simply call unto Jesus Christ in their own words and that would mean more than a college-educated person pontificating to everybody. You hear me? Oh, I thank thee, O God. You, know, you think you're getting somewhere. You're getting nowhere. Okay? <laughs> so let's obey his word because it produces true salvation worship for he seeks those who will worship him in spirit and in truth. God's on a search. He's searching. His eyes run to and fro throughout the whole earth. And his eye is directing me to that clock right now. Okay. Keeping his commandments or his word, in other words, is the proving of your love. If you say, if, if he said, if you love me, he said, keep my commandments. So I do too. So, so and I appreciate that. So if you, if you're claiming to love him, and then you don't keep his word. I think that's called lying. That's called lying. It's just not right. It's misrepresentation. Now, some people don't call things lying. They don't call that. That's not lying. Nothing. Not lying. Not lying. Well, then, let me help you. Then you're not accurate. Is that a nicer word? You're not being very accurate. You know. And I have gently... Uh, spoke to people about that. You need to be a little more accurate in your words. You need to be a little more factual. I don't really want to visit fantasy land right now. Okay? You want to go to fantasy land? We'll go to Orlando. Sorry. <laughs> Attempting to draw your heart near without his word and commandments, people transgress and reject with full knowledge they are doing so. Therefore, draw near with your heart according to that's how you're going to get close to God. That's how you're going to get close to God. Backflips, somersaults, catching 55 fish down at the lake, not going to get you near God. Oh, I just feel so much closer. Oh, I believe I see an angel. No, it's an angel fish. No. You want to get close to God, you got to start doing things according to his word. Okay? you 
got a story. I don't care how you flower it up and how you try to fantasize it in your mind. Okay? There are things the Bible said, thou shalt not, and that's just what it means. Okay? Okay. All right. So, I'm, I've written a few chapter and verse here for you to put in your notes. Um, if you have a pen, uh, Revelation 22 and 14, blessed are they that do his commandments. And guess what that means? That means that they may have right to the tree of life, which is in the midst of the city. Now let me tell you how bad it can get. Early on, when I first got baptized in Jesus' name and received the Holy Ghost, and we're talking almost 40 years ago, <laughs> my, this, I went to this little restaurant, and it was mostly a takeout thing, and the lady and her husband owned it. It was a private ownership, and they, uh, she was at the register, and, and I walked up, and I, I told her, I said, you know, you have to be born again to, to go to heaven. And she said, oh, <laughs> I'm not going to heaven. Now, that wasn't nothing to laugh about. Why are you laughing, lady? Something to be sad about. Why was she laughing? And why did she say that in such a laughing manner? And I, I was like, oh, okay then. <laughs> and so I went home and spent a little bit more. And I got my gun loaded, and I came back, and I said, that's a figurative gun. <laughs> that's the Bible. It's the Word of God. <laughs> So I, I came back, or my sword, if you like that better. I came back and I said, um, I said, hey, you know, you got to be born again if you're if you're ever going to um, get in the kingdom of God. And she said, I told you I'm not going to heaven. I said, I didn't say that. I said it said the kingdom of God. She said, oh well. And then she started off on another path, and this went back and forth until I said, okay, if you're not going to ever get to heaven, I said, where are you going to be? She said, "Well, I'm 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 gonna be I'm gonna be just outside the city." And I said, "Great, great." I said, "Because the Bible said, remember that the Bible, the Bible said that outside the city are dogs and sorcerers and whoremongers and liars and all those that love and make a lie." I said, "Which one are you?" You know, you might just want to believe on God's Word. You might just want to quit setting it aside and face it head on and say, I am going to take him at his word, and I'm going to, I'm, if I'm going to full well reject anything, it's going to be the words of men. I'm going to get rid of all of those terms and doctrines that are built around false things, and I'm going to take him at his word. I'm going to believe his word. You can give somebody 351 God scriptures right from the Bible, and they will go find a little pronoun, us, and explain all that away, throw all that away, set all that aside over one little pronoun that they don't understand. I would better understand the little pronoun, us. First of all, I'd read the next verse, but I would better understand the little pronoun, us, by applying the 350 scriptures to the one and then they would give me the sense and the meaning. The Bible does not contradict itself. Here a few uh, months ago we had a family coming and um, they this was it for them. They got baptized. They were all excited. Speaking the Holy Ghost, the man got a good touch. was very happy and we were on the road here. And he um, started listening to a family member. Family member had some kind of little group going there. And uh, so he, they started going there, they said, to get them to come here to our church. They called it our church. And uh, that didn't happen, of course. And so they're going there. And so uh, we tried to, of course, communicate with the individual. And it was amazing how many false personal ideas in just a few weeks he got into. All kinds of his own ideas. And, and of course, um, chapter and verse, when you would answer him with it, it, it made no dent. He would just set that aside. Just set that aside. You don't want to miss heaven over 
family or so-called friends or anything else. You want to take God at His word. And everybody said amen. amen. Let me move quickly. Revelation 14 and 12. This is the blessed are they that keep, keep the commandment of God. Revelation 12 and 17 use the same word. This one has a little different uh, words built around it. 12, 17 goes like this. Uh, we give thee thanks, O Lord God Almighty, which art was and art to come, because thou hast taken to thee thy great power and hast reigned. Everybody said praise the Lord. And he said, and the dragon was wroth about, that means the dragon was mad at the church, wroth with the woman, and went to make war with the, with the remnant of her seed, which keep the commandments of God and have the testimony of Jesus Christ. Now, you know, we got a whole bunch of people, and I'm not going to go in this direction, we got a whole bunch of people that believe the church is just going to waltz on out of here, you know, and the devil's just going to say, bye. You know? And of course, they figured it out that the way that's going to happen is going to be a Gentile church, and that later there'll be a Jewish church. Of course, quite a few words back, I've left the Word of God and explained to you what they believe. <laughs> you want to stay with the Word of God, and then you'll, you'll know that that kind of teaching is wrong. The enemy's going to make war with saints. How do you get to be a saint? You get baptized in Jesus' name, and you get filled with the Holy Ghost. How do you get to be a part of the church, the body of Christ? By getting that experience, and then you are no longer a Jew or a Gentile. But we are all one in Christ. There is one God and one church. God is universal. He's everywhere. And so is His church. And it reaches to everybody, every race every language, every continent, every country. And everybody said, praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. So, anyway, you want to keep the commandments of God and the testimony. Don't lose your testimony. That's the testimony of Jesus. 2 John, verse 6. I believe this says about following after. Let us see. And this is love. Oh, everybody wants to talk about love, 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 love. Here's God. And this is love, that we walk after His commandments. Everybody said, praise the Lord. So when somebody wants to tell you, oh, but God is love, that does not translate into do whatever you want. <laughs> okay? It's, telling, it's translated into, if you love me, keep my commandments. And this is love, that you will follow after my commandments. You will walk or follow after my commandments. Everybody said, praise the, Lord. praise the Lord. Amen. And notice it said, this is the commandment that as you have heard from the beginning. Hey, that's Acts chapter 2. Because that's where the church started. So pick it up from the very beginning. Okay? And he said, you should walk in it. All right. You don't go walk in your own path. 1 John 5 and 3. 1 John 5 and 3. These are notes. You can just write the chapter and verse, and you can get the rest of it later. 1 John 5 and 3. It said, Who is he that overcometh the world? But he that believeth on Jesus is the Son of that Jesus is the Son of God. And everybody said, Praise the Lord. And I want to read you verse 3. For this is the love of God that we keep his commandments. And guess what? His commandments are not grievous. That nice. So he's not asking you to do anything that's too tough. And everybody said, Praise the Lord. And everybody said, Hallelujah. Brian, you may take that. Let's stand together. Thank you, Jesus. Glory, glory, glory. Let's take a moment, lift our hearts with our hands, shall we? Come on. I love you, Jesus. Open my understanding to your great work. Teach me thy great and mighty and holy ways. Help me to be about the great business and kingdom of the Lord. I thank you, dear God, for your wonderful truth.
Spirit, you are welcome. Come on in, take your seat. Come on now. praise God of Zion. Yeah. Judas Lion, we acknowledge your presence, oh Lord. Holy Spirit, you are welcome. Come on in, take your seat. Inhabit our praise, God of Zion. Judas Lion, we acknowledge your presence, oh Lord. Holy Spirit, you are welcome. Come on in, take your seat. Inhabit our praise, God of Zion. Judas Lion, we acknowledge your presence, oh Lord, Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit. 